from Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. It says this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So Luke tells us there were five men gathered together at this church in Antioch. Each of them was either a prophet or a teacher. And as they worshipped the Lord, as they were worshipping God, the Holy Spirit said something. You see, I'm telling you that because God moves in an atmosphere of worship. Come on, some people, they want God to work miracles. They say they're praying for signs and wonders. They want revival. But when it comes time to worship, they check out. Come on, when it comes time to worship, they step back. They don't participate. They think, oh, that's for young people. Where'd you get that idea? This is for every child of God. These people were in the ministry already. Come on. They didn't consider themselves too dignified to worship God. Come on, if you think you're called to be a prophet or a teacher, you better get your praise on right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. These men were not asking God to meet their needs. They were not praying that God would solve some problem in their life. They were just seeking his face and abiding in his presence. And in that atmosphere, in that spiritual environment, they received something, something that they did not expect, revelation and guidance from God. And many Christians, even today, would get a clearer picture of God's plan for their life. And they would know what the next steps are in their journey if they would just give themselves over to worship, to worship him freely. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That tells me if you reach up, God reaches down. And that also means you can be closer to God than you are right now. Or you can be further from God. I think, I think if we're honest, most of us here, if we charted our spiritual life, we'd have to say there are ups and downs. There are times, seasons when we were closer to God. And then maybe for many, there were times when we seemed to fall away or, or fade away. But God is calling his church closer, and he's waiting for us to draw near to him. The closer you are to God, the stronger his presence is in your life, the clearer his voice. So if you haven't heard from heaven in a long time, you know what to do now. I said, if you haven't heard from heaven in a long time, you know what you need to do now. You need to draw closer to God. Now, God... God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He doesn't need to change. But, or, but in order for us to experience a fuller measure of his glory, 
we're going to have to make some changes. I said, if we're going to walk in a greater degree of God's glory, we have to make some changes in our attitude, in our heart, in our words, in our actions. And James 4.8 goes on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your, your hearts, you double-minded. Now, James is not saying that every Christian is a sinner, just like he's not saying every Christian is double-minded. But, and he's not just chiding us or rebuking you. He's saying if there's a blockage that's hindering the Spirit of God from contacting you, manifesting you in the way that he should, then remove it. Remove all the blockages. Amen? Well, how can you cleanse your own hands? And, and how can you purify your own heart? Well, you can't. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. But you can do this. James is writing to believers. But you can do this. Real simple. You can repent. I said you can repent. The word repent doesn't mean to cry and slobber. It doesn't mean to necessarily to get emotional. And it doesn't necessarily mean putting on some big dramatic display. It means a change. It begins in our mind and our heart. A change like we're going to turn away from some things. We're going to let go of some things. We're going to denounce some things. And we not only turn away from things that are capturing our heart and capturing our first love, we're going to turn back to God. Hallelujah. The Amplified Bible says this. Disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests. He goes on to say who commit spiritual adultery. So in other words, he's not just talking about Christians who have committed sins like immorality or stealing or lying. Of course, that's true, but he also is talking about a general coldness of our heart. Friend, let me tell you something honestly. It shouldn't be that you come here every Sunday morning and we're not even sure if you're saved. It shouldn't be that you come here every, every week and, and, and really you look like you've never been to church a day in your life. And then by the time the service is over, you're kind of, you know, at a better place. Your, your heart is kind of warmed up. But then when you come back next week, you're back where you started over again. You sh the way we end the service is how you should come in the service. You should come in here ready to praise God. You don't need somebody to exhort you. You don't need someone to, to preach to you. You don't need someone to stir you up. You're already stirred up. You're already ready to go. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. If our affections for Christ have waned, we need to make an adjustment in our heart. We need to make sure he's first place in our life. Am I saying that because I'm a pastor? No. I'm saying that because I'm a Christian. And I believe it. Whether I was in, behind the pulpit or not, it's what I believe. Amen? And I'm not condemning anybody. It sounds harsh, but I'm not condemning anybody. But I'm saying this. We do need to make some adjustments sometimes in our life. Like, no, Jesus, you're the center of it all. You're first place in my life. Can I get an amen? amen. These men in Acts 13... They also fasted, which indicates, among other things, that they spent some time in worship. See, all of us fast between meals, right? <laughs> you know, I always fast after breakfast and before lunch, and then after lunch, before dinner, I fast every day. No, but this means they skipped meals, and what really strikes me is that they spent some time 
worshiping God. They didn't have three quick songs and then let's go. A lot of times the problem is that we are in too much of a hurry. Come on. We are in too much of a hurry. We're restless. And we quickly want to move on to the next thing. Huh? In church, sometimes we keep glancing at the clock. Eagerly waiting for the dismissal. So we can make a mad dash to the parking lot. As if we'd rather be anywhere but here. As if we'd rather be doing anything than this. Do you not realize that that's an insult to God? I'm not talking about for my benefit. I'm not talking about for this church's benefit. I'm just talking about our attitude toward God. It should be that I don't want it to ever end. I wish we could just keep on worshiping. I wish we could just keep on singing. I wish we could just keep on praising his name. I don't want it to end. That should be our attitude. It should be, and friends, let me tell you something. It should be God who tells me, okay, you're done for today. Now move on. Not you who tells God, I'm done for today. I'm moving on. Because when you're in a hurry, you're going to miss something. These men waited. They waited on God. They waited in his presence. And then God said something. He said something that not only changed their lives, changed our lives, changed the course of the church and human history. Your hastiness is costing you. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Really, it's just our flesh. It's the flesh that gets restless. It's the flesh that says, oh, I got to go. I'm in a hurry. Quick, Brother John, finish this message. Hurry up. Hallelujah. And then we rush home and watch six hours of television. Glory. Huh? The service is too long, you say. And then we see you in the foyer, you know, 45 minutes later, still talking. Out in the parking lot for another 15 minutes. Come on. Come on. By fasting, it helped to keep the flesh under. Get the upper hand over the carnal impatience. The New King James Version of this, Acts 13, verse 2 says, They ministered to the Lord. They ministered to the Lord. They weren't ministering to each other. They were ministering to him. See, is it going to be a good service today? Some people say, well, I didn't really get anything out of it. You're asking the, the wrong question. Did God get anything out of it? A successful service, one that really is all that it should be, is not when you say, oh, I feel so blessed. Yeah, that's okay, but it's when God says, I'm so blessed. Did you ever read in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me? See, your first responsibility is not to get a blessing. It's to bless the Lord. How do you do that? We worship him. We praise him. That blesses him. Hallelujah. Amen. In most church services, I'm not saying this is true everywhere at all times, but in many church services, we're just ministering to each other. Many of the songs that Christians sing are all about self, focused on self. How do I feel? The hardship that I'm going through. What I want God to do for me. But true worship is Christ-centered. Know this and it'll set you free. It's not about you. We didn't come here to worship you. 
It's not about me. It's not about anybody else except the Lord. Hallelujah. So, you know, sometimes you just got to forget about yourself. Come on. You think, well, did I dress properly? Does my hair look funny? Uh, uh, You know, I don't feel comfortable. You got to forget about yourself. We're not here for that. We're here for God. But, you know, when you're here for God, know this. He's also here for you. Amen. Hallelujah. They ministered to the Lord. They gave him his rightful place. Like the old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Just to see his face is worth a thousand earths and all that's in it. Just to be in his presence, the reality, the tangible presence of God, that's better than anything anybody can ever give you in this life. It's worth it. It's worth it. I'm afraid there's some Christians that never experienced that. They, they, they maybe have a slight little taste or maybe a, you know, a, a, a little inkling, a little something, but there's so much more for all of us. Amen. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. We sometimes quote this verse. It's a difficult verse to translate. On the one hand, it means that God is our king and we should praise him. But on the other hand, it might be saying, as we praise him, he begins to take domain and to rule in our lives. Because kings sit on thrones, enthroned on the praises of Israel. We praise the Lord for what he has done. We worship him. For who he is. In other words, even if you felt like God never did anything for you, it doesn't matter. He still is to be worshiped because he's God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise him in expectation of what he will do in our lives. Praise is the language of faith. We worship him because it is what we were created to do. You were made for worship. Not just to attend a worship service, to be a worshiper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We worship him because he's worthy. More than once, several times in the book of Revelation, we see angels and elders in heaven declare that he's worthy. He's worthy. So interesting. John saw people who were martyred for their faith in heaven. They had, they had been slain because of their confession in Christ. And they weren't in heaven saying, man, I was cheated in life. There were so many dreams and plans I had that never were fulfilled. I I just feel like I missed out on so many things. Nobody's saying that. 
They're saying, worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Just to be here with Jesus is more excellent than anything I've ever known. It's worth it. Hallelujah. A.W. Tozer said this. A.W. Tozer said this. Any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Because heaven is full of worship. I said heaven is full of worship. If you don't like going to church, I don't know what you're going to do in heaven. Play carom board? (laughs) Hallelujah. Heaven is full of worship. Amen. Notice this again, Acts 13, 2, in the Passion Translation. They were worshiping as priests before the Lord. Jesus has cleansed us with his blood. And the book of Revelation says he has made us kings and priests before our God. We have been called to offer up spiritual sacrifices in the temple of God, in the presence of God, sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. We've been chosen to stand before him and our prayers like incense rising up before him. Not everybody's called to pastor. Not everybody has been selected to stand in the office of an evangelist. Not everybody is called to the ministry of the teacher. Very few are called to be prophets and apostles. The vast majority of people that claim to be one are not. But everybody is called to be a worshiper. Said everybody in the body of Christ is called to be a worshiper. Hallelujah. And this is our first ministry. Before you minister to others, you must minister to the Lord. As Paul and Barnabas worshipped in Antioch, God promoted them. Separate from me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. They've been called. Paul said he was called before he was born. But they stepped into that calling. They were released into that ministry. And there was an impartation of greater grace. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. There was an impartation of giftings and anointings at that time in their life. And years later, Paul didn't forget this lesson. As he and another ministry partner, Silas, were in prison for preaching, the Bible says they sang praises to God. And he turned their captivity. When you worship God in the earth... Heaven comes down. I said, heaven comes down. And in heaven, there's no sickness. And in heaven, there's no bondage. And in heaven, there's no fear. Worship releases the atmosphere of heaven in the earth. That means not only can you go to heaven because of the blood, you can experience a little bit of heaven right down here. Amen. Worship, what is it? It's prayer, and it's the highest kind of prayer. Our petitions offered in faith bring change to our circumstances, but worship brings change to our hearts. 
It changes us. Worship renews us. In Jeremiah 31, 25, it says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Do you feel weary? Sometimes you can even get, you know, weary of church, especially people who are in church, you know, all week long and are in the the office or working in ministry and constantly on the road preaching or whatever. You can just get, or in the classroom, just get weary, just weary. But there's a refreshing. There's a refreshing that can only be found in the presence of the Lord. And there's a satisfaction that only comes from him. Worship purifies us. Worship purifies us. In Malachi 3.2, it says, For he is like a refiner's fire. As we draw near, the fire of the Spirit burns away the chaff in our life. Come on, I think there's some people who are going after counseling here and there and asking everyone they know to pray for them and they're reading books and they're seeking therapy and I'm not necessarily against some of those things but on the other hand sometimes you just need to get alone with God sometimes you just need to worship him and praise him and the spirit of God will just envelop you and his power can just burn out that rubbish from your soul and from your mind and when you get up from that place you're a different person Hallelujah. Worship enlightens us. Why? Psalm 36 verse 9 says, In your light do we see light. Worship brings a reset and a realignment. Worship is therapeutic. The Bible says, Lord, it is good to praise you, most high God. It is good to make music to honor you. Psalm 92 verse 1. Worship is not only a good thing to do, it's good for you. I said it's good for you. Your emotional state can get leveled out. All of the, all of the issues and anxieties you're all dealing with, that can get, that can get smoothed out. He make the rough places plain. Hallelujah. All, all of the confusion can just can get, mo- get moved out. Worship is therapeutic for you. I tell you, if you're in a hard place in life, Spend even more time worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Worship is more than a song. It's an expression of adoration and awe. It is acknowledging his greatness. It is recognizing his great worth. It is the realization that he is God and we cannot live without him. I love that song, This is the Air I Breathe. Worship is the heart cry of a child in response to the heart cry of his father. Worship brings us into communion with God's spirit. It takes us deeper in God. We must worship. I said we must worship. If we do not the very rocks will cry out. Think about it. The Bible tells me that all of creation praises God. The trees of the field shall clap their hands. All the wonder of this earth, it says that it bows in reverence to God. All creation worships him with one exception, the jewel of God's creation, 
man, the one who was created in his image, who has a will. God's not going to force you to do nothing because the last thing he wants is forced love. But we must, we must see that we were created to worship. I'll read one more verse. In Zechariah 14, verse 17, And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. If you don't worship, he said, there'll be no rain. In the natural, the children of Israel needed rain for their crops, for their food, for their economy. But spiritually, he's talking about the outpouring of God's spirit. Without worship, our lives will become dry. The Spirit of God can do more in your life in five minutes than you could do on your own without the Holy Spirit for five years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The children of Israel were required by the law three times a year. You must present yourself in Jerusalem. And they participated in a celebration of God's goodness. They had to do it. We today... We today worship God in spirit and in truth. You don't have to go anywhere. You can praise him and worship him, and you should every day in every place. And lastly, worship is not just speaking. It's also listening. It's waiting before the Lord. It's being still and knowing that he is God. Hallelujah. We're going to spend some more time worshiping God now. I just want to ask you, if your heart is touched, if you sense the Spirit of God in this place, then why don't you rise up and we'll worship the Lord together. Amen.